on to, on that note, on every promise of his word, I want to encourage you to open up your Bible to Psalm chapter 1. If you've got one with you, and hopefully you do. We'll be putting some scriptures on the screen. And as you're turning there, I just want to start off by telling you that I love this word. I love this word. I am fully convinced that this is the living, active, spoken word of God. And every single day, God uses this many times a day to speak light and life and direction and hope and purpose and identity and a myriad of other things into my life. And I can tell you without a doubt that I would be absolutely lost without this word, period. I mean, that's just the way it is for me. But in order to give you a little preview of what we're going to be studying tonight and, and through some of the other nights of our, our Bible study um, this summer, I want to I tell you something. It has not always been that way for me. You know that little saying, this or that, which has kind of become popular in our culture? Like if something's put in front of you and you get a choice between this or that, which one would you choose? Well, I want to be just really honest with you and tell you that for the first 29 years of my life, if the word of God was put in front of me and it would have been this, and anything else offered out there was that, well, 98% of the time, I chose that. <laughs> it's just the way it was. Now, that could have been a lot of things. <laughs> it, it could have been a movie. It could have been a book. It could have been cleaning the bathroom. <laughs> it, it could have been having a pity party, doing the laundry, taking a nap, hanging out with friends, uh, talking on the phone. It would have been a regular phone because we didn't have cell phones then, believe it or not. But, I mean, it could have been anything else. I was going to choose that 98% of the time at least. Whatever that was. That's very sad, but it is the truth. But I want to tell you about who I am in Christ today. Today, this holds great delight to me. Today, if I am given a choice, most of the time, I will choose this. Not because I have to, or because somebody tells me I'm supposed to, but really because I want to. God has done such a work in me over the years, and it's amazing what our great God can do. Now, there's a whole lot of words in this book, right? I mean, there's a lot of words in this book, and I really love all of them. But over the years, as God has worked his word in my life, certain chapters have just become really special to me, and you probably have some yourself like that, right? Certain chapters, I mean, I've just gotten connected to. They mean something to me. I own them, and, and I know them. They would be what I would call my favorites, okay? And so a few years ago, as I was thinking about some of those chapters, and I was thinking about how God had just established these chapters in my life and how special they were. And I thought about a lot of the women that we get to minister to at events like this that we have, and then as we get to go out and minister in other places, and I, and I just have a heart for women to know these words that have become so special to me in those chapters because I know how powerful they are. They've changed me. And I just kept thinking about that, and I thought, God, I want to write a Bible study called My Top Ten, where I would get to teach on all my favorite chapters. Well, this summer, God has finally allowed me to write that study. 
And so as a part of our Bible study, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to teach on four of those chapters. Tonight, we're going to start with Psalm 1, and it would be at the top of my list, okay? And then we're going to go to Romans 8 next week, and then we're going to go to Psalm 27, and then we're going to go to Proverbs 9. And eventually, one day, I'll get to teach on all ten of them, and we'll get that whole thing written. Now, while I'm telling you this, let me just mention this too. As you were coming in tonight, you might have noticed some paintings that were in the lobby, we have been really blessed this year in that we've developed some relationships with some artists in our community, and we asked some different artists to paint a painting of Psalm 1. We asked another artist to paint a painting of Romans 8, another one to do Psalm 27, and another one to do Proverbs 9. And they have studied the truths of those words, and they have then expressed them through art. And they're beautiful paintings. I love how they all turned out so very differently. But what they've done is they have donated all of that labor to our ministry so that over this four weeks we can have a silent auction that will then benefit our Living Light mission, which is the, mission, the local mission arm of Established Footsteps, which reaches into dark places like jails and strip clubs. And we'll tell you more about that over the next couple weeks. But I wanted you to know that because we're just really blessed to have those, and it's just been really a joy to me to see those paintings develop. So I want to encourage you as you leave tonight to look at those, and, and just especially after we study Psalm 1 together, and to just look at the painting and how that artist expressed that. And if you'd like to, to make a bid on that, and then on July 30th, we'll figure out who they belong to. And somebody is going to go home with these things. And our Living Light local mission is going to really be able to function in a better way through that too. So we're really grateful to some of those, to all of those artists. I know that some of them are here tonight. So that's just a neat plus to our study time. But now you know the history of why I said to you, open up your Bible to Psalm 1. Because it's not just any chapter to me. It's like my favorite. <laughs> and so I get really pumped about teaching Psalm 1, and I'm really excited about that. And I, I hope that by the time we're done with this, and, and when you go home, there's some uh, online study materials that you can follow up on Psalm 1 with. You can just go on our website and download them for free and just use them this next week and just dig into Psalm 1 some more. I hope that if it's not already, that Psalm 1 is going to be on your top 10 list too. Okay? So let's just read it. I'm sure you found it by now. And this is what it says. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does... He prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We're going to pray. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we can stand on every single promise in your word. Lord, there are some powerful statements here in Psalm 1. And God, I pray that you would minister them to us in fresh ways, Lord. You know, God, I have studied the psalm, just studied it and studied it and studied it over the years, and you just continue to break out new revelation to me. 
And so, Father, I know that there are women in this room who know this psalm. I know there are many in this room who have probably memorized this psalm. I pray you'd speak to them in a fresh way tonight. I know there are women in this room who've never really read Psalm 1. And, and I pray, God, that you would just break it open to them like you broke it open to me all those years ago. Father, I just pray that you'd minister your word, that you'd minister your presence, God. This is your time, Lord. How blessed we are as women to get to come away tonight and be together as the community of believers in this area, representing many churches, God. Open up your word. Just spend some time with Jesus, God. We're blessed. And so, Father, I pray that this would be a rich time for every person here. We've been praying that for a long time, and I pray that's exactly what it would be. This would be a fellowship time with you as you speak to us through Psalm 1. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to just jump right in, and we're going to work our way through this thing word for word, and we're going to see what God has to say. And it starts off, and it says, how blessed, okay? How blessed. Now, there's a common question in our culture that you've probably said, you've probably answered many times, and this is the question. What do you want out of life? What do you want out of life? Well, a very common answer to that question is, I just want to be happy. Right. Everybody wants it. We just want to be happy. Think about some of the things that people say. Most people say this about their children. I just want my children to be happy. Right? If somebody gets married, one of the girls up here that was singing tonight, Heather, the one here, she just got married two weeks ago. And I bet she got tons of cards and tons of wishes that said, we just hope you're so happy in your marriage. Okay? Because that's what we say, right? Or if somebody gets a new house, we say, I hope you'd be very happy in your new house or happy in your new job. We all want that happiness. Well, you know what? The definition of this word blessed is actually happy. <laughs> That's the definition of the word. And in fact, some versions say how happy. You'll open up some Bibles and that's exactly how it will be worded. How happy. So right here in Psalm 1, God very clearly lays out how to be happy. And that's what everybody seems to want. So you'd think we'd really listen to him, right? <laughs> because God himself ought to know how to tell us to be happy. And in fact, he goes beyond just happy. He says, how happy? So that's like really happy. If you want to be happy, well, listen to what I'm going to say. And I do want to be happy. Do you want to be happy? Yeah, we, we want to be happy. And sometimes people will say happiness, joy, you know. Let's not get into all that. This is just happy, okay? <laughs> don't, don't even go there. It's just happy. We all want happiness, okay? Sometimes we try to spiritualize it and say, oh, it's about joy, it's not about happiness. It, we all want to be happy, right? We do. I do, you do. And you know what? I believe God's word is true. And I think that if you're here tonight, you either believe God's word is true or you want to, okay? And so God's going to tell us right here how to be happy. And we're going to listen up because we want to hear what he has to say because we do believe his word is true. Now, interestingly enough, he starts by telling us what is not going to make us happy, okay? God's always interesting, isn't he? <laughs> I would think, okay, God, tell me what, you, what I need to do. Well, he says, here's what you shouldn't do, all right? He says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. How blessed is the man. Now, that's man like human, okay? So we're going to say how blessed is the woman, okay, tonight, because most of us in this room are women. So how blessed is the woman who does not walk in the counsel of 
the wicked. You know, when I listen to counsel from someone, I'm listening to their ideas, I'm listening to their worldview, I'm listening to their preferences, their, their heart. I'm listening to really the very essence of who they are. And if I listen to someone's counsel and follow that counsel, I am getting life direction from that person. Now, the Hebrew word for wicked here actually means someone who is hostile toward God. It's actually got the, the idea of being loosed. So it's like somebody saying, untie me from you, God. I don't want to be connected to you. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm hostile to you, God. And God calls that kind of person wicked. Now, we think counselor in our culture, we think, oh, they've got a degree. They must know exactly what to tell me how to do so that I can be happy. But you know what? There are a lot of, of counselors out there who delight in the law of the Lord and who know the word of God and really can point you in the same direction that God is saying. But there's a lot of counselors out there that even though the world says that they have a degree and they know how you should be happy, they're wicked. <laughs> they're living a life that says, I don't want anything to do with you, God. And we shouldn't be listening to their counsel. So that's the kind of counselor here. But you know what? This could also be a thug on the street that we listen to and, and get some life direction from. It could be a talk show host that we listen to on the ride to work in the morning or on the TV as we're eating our bagel or, or whatever it is in the morning or, or, or in the evening. It could be your friend. It could even be your spouse. If they're wicked in the sense of they want to be loosed from God and they don't want to follow the ways of God because God calls somebody like that wicked. And the thing here is saying, if I listen to their counsel and then walk in that counsel, and that's why the key word here is walk. Because it's one thing to hear that counsel, it's a whole other thing to actually begin to walk in that same way. Because when I begin to walk and do the same things that somebody who is hostile toward God does, then guess what? I've become just like them. And in one word, we could describe it, and it's actually called sin. It's called sin. And so when we say walking in the counsel of the wicked, or the word of God says that, it's really action. It's when you've taken on this counsel, this life direction from somebody who is wicked and is saying, God, I don't want anything to do with you, and you start walking in the same way. You start acting the same way they do. Now, God says, you're not going to be happy if you do that. And I don't think that would be news to any of us, right? <laughs> Most of us would think, well, certainly that's what God would say. I mean, God hates sin. He's going to tell me, don't walk in sin. And, and we already know that. We know that, but why do we do it? <laughs> why, why do we walk in the counsel of the wicked? Because a lot of us find ourselves in those places, and then we wonder why we're not happy. I think there's a lot of reasons, but tonight I think we're just going to focus on a couple of them for just a minute. I think sometimes we carry out these wicked actions based on the counsel of the wicked because we want to be happy so bad that we will make a decision in a moment for temporary pleasure, right? We see something and we want that temporary pleasure. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So we can see something and we think, oh, that's so good for me. And really, it's the counsel of the wicked that's telling me it's good for me, but I take it because I want to be happy. And so I make a decision based on the counsel of the wicked just in, in a moment of a whim that I want something in the moment for temporary pleasure. Well, I, I, I need to think through that and think that's not a good idea according to God's word. 
But there's, there's another thing that happens too. And I think sometimes we fill our hearts and our minds so much with the counsel of the wicked and we listen to it so much that we begin to become hardened in our understanding. The Bible says that. We become hardened in our understanding. We become futile in our thinking. And before long, we're calling things that are right, we're calling them wrong. <laughs> and we're calling things that are, are wrong, we're calling them right. And we don't even know what's up or down according to God's word because we've been listening to the counsel of the wicked so long and now we're carrying it out. We're walking in that action. Well, God is very clear right here at the beginning. It isn't going to make us happy. And so we got to deal with that kind of stuff if we really want to be happy. Now, again, it's probably not news to most of us that God would say, uh, probably shouldn't walk in the counsel of the wicked if you want to be happy. That, that's probably not news to us. But see, God goes a whole lot deeper than just the walking in the counsel of the wicked. Because what is the next thing that he says? He says, nor stand in the path of sinners. Now, this is standing. It's not walking. It's standing. So it's not really about action, but it's more about association, if you will. See, here's the wicked sinners over here, and they're sinning. And maybe I haven't gotten to the point that I'm doing what they're doing, carrying out that action, but I'm standing near them. And therefore, I'm associating myself and my life with their sin. You know, standing in the path of sinners happens a lot, a lot. In our quest to be happy, even though God's word says, if you want to be happy, don't stand in the pathway of a sinner, you know what we do? We walk right over to them, just hang out. <laughs> we do that a lot. Now, don't misunderstand this here, because I, I can know where probably some of our minds are going. It is very right. In fact, the Bible very clearly teaches us to go and stand in the path of sinners to go and share Christ with people, right? Jesus did that. He went to the path of sinners so that he could share the love and grace and mercy of salvation with them. In fact, I would still be a sinner if somebody had not come and stood in my path of sin and shared the love of Jesus with me. And for anyone here tonight, and I'm sure there are many of you who are believers and Christians and now saints in Christ, the only reason you're not a sinner is because somebody came in your path and shared Jesus and his love with you. But that's very different from what this is talking about. We're supposed to do that. This is talking about, I go stand in the path of the sinner because I want to be there. <laughs> and I'm getting some of my needs met from being around that sin. It's this idea of maybe I haven't gotten to the point of actually carrying out or walking out this action that, that's going on, but I sure enjoy watching them do it. I sure enjoy talking about them doing it. I sure enjoy knowing about it and reading magazines about it and being entertained by it and hearing songs about it and anything else you could talk about with this whole thing. I just want to know about all this sin stuff. I want to be current in the world. Well, you know what? I'm associating myself with a bunch of sin, and then I'm going, God, why am I not happy? What's wrong with my life? Well, God says, if you want to be happy, don't stand in the path of a sinner. Don't associate yourself with sin. Now, the next part goes even deeper. And I know this is heavy stuff, but we're going to get to some really good stuff in just a minute. God goes deeper because he says, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. This is different too, because there's an action of sin, which is walking in the counsel of the wicked. 
Then there's that association. We just talked about that, the standing in the path of the sinner. And maybe I'm not in either of those places, but there's also what we could call an attitude of sin, where I sit in the seat of a scoffer. Now, who is a scoffer? Kind of a different word. We don't use that a lot. But the word for scoffer here represents someone who has a real arrogant attitude. That's more of a word we use in our culture. It's an attitude that says, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. I can make my own decisions. I, I, I come up with my own ideas about things. I know God's word says this, but this is what I think. And it's all this stuff in our heart and in our mind. And the world is full of people like that. Even in the church, there's a lot of people like that. Maybe I'm one of those people, and I have been many times, where I go, God, I know your word says this, but this is what I think. Or I know your word says this, is, but this is what I feel. And I raise that above what God says in his word. Well, then I've become a scoffer because I've got an arrogance about my attitude toward God. And you know what? That's the seat that all of us will naturally sit in. We all will. And it's readily available. You know that game where you play, um, oh, what is the name of that game? Where you go around and, and everybody wants to find a seat and then somebody gets, you know, ousted, you know? There's always going to be a seat of scoffer for you. you. You don't have to ever worry about being ousted on that one, okay? There's always a seat of arrogance for you to sit in while you're in this world. The Bible says sin starts in our minds. It talks about that in James 1. And we tend to think, as long as I'm not doing it, as long as I'm not doing the sin, walking in the counsel of the wicked, well, I'm good. But someone right here in verse 1, I mean, it just jumps right in and nails it. It says whether you're walking in sin, standing near sin, or just sitting there and thinking like a sinner, you're not going to be happy. You're not. How blessed is the man who does not walk or stand or sit like that. God's word goes deep. Well, that's enough for me, I think for you too probably, because we, boy, just jumped right in there. It's real heavy, okay? And God knows that, and so he starts to tell us what is going to make us happy. He says, but her delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, how happy you will be when God's direction, when God's thoughts, when God's heart, when the essence of who God is directs how you live and gives you great pleasure in doing so. That's the law of the Lord. See, we hear the word law, and we think rules, right? I mean, that's what I do. But you've got to think of it bigger than that because, you know, when a law is made, it really reflects the heart and the essence of the person who actually made the law. Laws here in the Word of God, they're not just rules. Sure, they include rules and standards that God has given us, but it's way bigger as God in his word expresses his heart and his promises and his plans and his destiny and his purposes in the world. He expresses what he likes and what he thinks about things. All these different things. He expresses how he's been working in the world throughout centuries. I mean, he expresses so much here in the law of the Lord. And if we look closely at Psalm 1, it's all about a big, big contrast. A contrast between this and that. This being the law of the Lord, and that being the counsel of the wicked, the path of the sinner, and the seat of the mocker. And here's the thing. 
that, all of that shows up in what so many of us, and notice I'm including myself in that, so many of us find our delight in day and night. So many people, even many Christians, are delighted by things that are so rooted in the seed of mockers, in the pathway of sinners, in, in the counsel of the wicked. And we get so caught up in all of that, we don't have time, we don't have a heart, we don't have the energy or the affection or even the time to think about the law of the Lord. And when this happens, we get our life direction from all of that. We get our thoughts about life, we get our ideas about life, our worldview, our behavior, our pursuits, our motivation, our philosophy, all of it, it's all molded and shaped by all of that which is hostile to this. And then we go, God, why am I so unhappy? <laughs> and he answers it right here. This is the law of the Lord. This is where God expresses the total being of who he is. And it is in great, great contrast to all of that. And the more you delight in it, you begin to see the huge contrast. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger because God's ways are holy. And all of that is not. God says, if you want to be happy, do not delight in that. Delight in this. Now, I told you earlier, there was a time in my life that I could not have imagined delighting in this. I know who I used to be. I mean, I liked going to church. I grew up in church. I loved doing all kinds of church programs and activities with Christian people and all of that, but I'm just going to be totally honest with you, and many of you have heard me say this before, this absolutely bored me. It did. If somebody got up to speak and they opened the Bible, in my mind, I went, oh. that's where I was. That's how depraved I was in my thinking. Now, I got older, and I learned some things, and I learned, oh, the Bible's important. You know, when I was trying to be a mature Christian woman, and I realized that good Christian women read their Bibles. So I added it to my long to-do list. And so every day, I had to check the box of reading my Bible. But notice Psalm 1 does not say how happy you will be if you read your daily devotional. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say how happy you will be if you make time to go to church every Sunday before you go out in the boat or go to the park or whatever and listen to your preacher. You will be very happy if you do that once a week. That's not what it says. It doesn't even say how happy you will be if you go to Bible study and do your homework. That's not what it says. It says how happy you will be when you delight in the law of the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think the next part of this passage tells us exactly what it means. This is what it says. And this might scare some of us. It did me. It says, in his law, he meditates day and night. <laughs> day and night, I had five minutes on my to-do list. That was it. <laughs> day and night was not going to work for me, God. I, I don't get that. And I understand if you don't get it either. But here's what God is saying. You love my word so much. You love me expressing myself into your life so much that it becomes a part of your life whether you are awake or asleep. It shapes how you act, what you associate with, who you associate with, and what you think about day and night. Now, 
Some of you have heard me teach before. You know that I often use my son Sam because he gives me great material. And so bless his heart tonight, I'm going to do that again. And I just want to tell you a little bit about my son Sam because I think something that goes on in his life is really a good description of this whole idea of delight. Bless his heart, um, that's what happens when your mom is a speaker. <laughs> they tell stories about you. So he loves sports, okay? My son loves sports, and I would say that he delights in sports. Um, there's no question about it. If you were at our house every morning when he's eating his breakfast, Sports Center is going to be on TV. At night, we only have one TV in our house, and it will always have a game on it, and afterward, there will be more Sports Center. Um, my son has a favorite basketball team that's on the West Coast. And so many, many, many times he will set his go to bed, set his alarm for midnight and wake up in the middle of the night and sacrifice his sleep so that he can watch them play their game. He does it all the time, okay? Uh, he loves sports. If you go in his room, it's decorated all in the Atlanta Braves and now also in the Miami Heat. It's kind of a, a, a weird mixture of that. Uh, he spends his own hard-earned money every summer for a very expensive app on his iPad so that he can watch all of the Atlanta Braves baseball games because they don't come on TV. And so he spends his own money on that. He could care less about clothes. Even though I want him to care about clothes, he really could care less unless it is a sports shirt and he needs to wear it at the appropriate time. Then he'll spend his own money and he'll say, Mom, would you do this laundry so I can wear this particular shirt? Because he cares about this. If you are his friend on Facebook or Twitter or watch any of his Vine videos or any of all that stuff, I can't even keep up with all the different things anymore. In fact, I asked him last night, I said, Sam, if you had been alive in 1983, that would have been the same time that I was his age because he's getting ready to be a senior in high school. I said, what in the world would you have done with your time? Because there was no cell phone and there was no iPad. Because he was constantly, and those of you who have teenagers, you know exactly what I mean. I'm like, how would you have communicated with anybody? And we just, we, we had a good laugh. But all of that stuff, all of the names that he has all have to do with sports. For instance, his, his email is Sam Loves Sports. <laughs> I mean, that's what it, it is. And he does. And that's why all of this, and I could keep going on for a long, long time about all of the ways that sports show up in his life. And you know what? Nobody ever had to tell him to do any of it. It's all expressed in his life day and night because he delights in sports. Now you see where we're going here, right? For years, I was so misguided. I sought my delight in all of that. And what I delighted in that was expressed in how I lived, how I thought, what I did with my time, who I associated with, how I, how I um, spent my day and my night, it consumed my time and my energy, that directed my interest. That directed my daily pursuits. That told me what to think about and when to think it. That told me who I was and, and who I wasn't, what I should say and what I shouldn't, what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And even when I was doing my duty of reading my Bible and going to church, Really, my delight was in all of that, not this. And then I would pray, and I would say, God, you got to fix my life. It's such a mess. you got to fix all these things. I love Psalm 1 because it clears all of that up, not just for me, but for all of us. And I know there are many of you in this room who could stand right up here today and say, I love Psalm 1 too because it fixed it for me as well. It made the choice very clear. 
How happy is the woman who finds her pleasure in God's expression for her life, in God's ideas, God's thoughts, God's ways, God's heart, living in his truth. And it's so delightful that it consumes her days and her nights and it seeps into every part of her being, waking or sleeping. God's word is her delight. Now we're going to talk a little bit more later about what that actually looks like. But for now, I think we've seen pretty clearly in verses 1 and 2 that there is a very stark contrast. And there is a choice right here. Two choices, this or that. But the verses that actually follow show us the results that you get from those choices. And that's something that really we need to look at. Notice in verse 3, it talks about the woman who actually delights in the law of the Lord. And it says, She will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever she does, she prospers. For the woman who chooses this, I mean, there is some serious, serious happiness. She will be firmly planted. That just sounds really, really good to me because that speaks of being settled. <laughs> and I like it when things are settled. And I think most women do. We like for things to be settled. I love it when I get to go to the beach, not for the day, but I get to go for a whole week and settle into the house. It's just good. It's real good, okay? I love it when my kids were little and I would get them settled in bed, right? There was no more striving. I love it when my husband and I have been having an issue, and, and we do, and I'm sure you do have issues sometimes, and then we get that thing settled, and there's no more striving. I mean, there's just something good about things being settled, things getting planted, and you know they're rooted, and they're good, and they're not going to go anywhere, and they're just settled and worked out. God's saying, firmly planted. That's what your life will be like. And do you see the difference here? The woman who delights in God's word, she is firmly planted. She's in this place of settled. She's in this place of established being. And it's not just for now, but it is for all of eternity. She's firmly planted. But the woman who is sitting and standing and walking, she's not planted. She's running all over the place trying to figure out, should I stand, should I sit, should I walk? Not sure where I'm supposed to be. I think I'll go over here and maybe I'll find some happiness. I'll go over there. And maybe I'd find happiness if I did this or sat with these people or talked like that or thought like that. And it's this constant quest of striving. And you know what it does in our lives? It leaves us totally vulnerable. And vulnerability does not equal happiness. Being firmly planted equals happiness. And many of us in this room tonight are very vulnerable. And God doesn't desire that for us. He desires for us to be firmly planted. That's why he's telling us how to be delight in his word. And one, when the woman delights in his word, she's firmly planted. Now, we could say firmly planted in what? Well, we could stay here for weeks and talk about all the things that God firmly plants us in when we delight in his word. But I really sought him, and I said, God, what, what one of those things could we really talk about tonight that you think you know the women who are coming? What do we need to hear about? It? And, and it was very clear, firmly planted in our identity, in our identity. See, when you're firmly planted in the word of God, when you're delighting in the word of God, he firmly plants you in who you are because he's telling you who you are morning and night. He's speaking identity into your life. So you're not running around all over the world trying to get somebody to tell you who you are. You already know who you are because the word of God, God himself, the Holy Spirit speaking through the word, it's telling you who you are. 
So you're not trying to be something that you're not. You're not trying to be like them. You don't need a man to tell you who you are. You don't have to have a certain kind of designer purse on your arm to feel important. You don't have to live in a certain kind of neighborhood to measure up. None of that stuff because you know who you are. God's been telling you who you are all day long. And when somebody starts telling you you're not that, you go back to the Word of God because you're thinking about it all day long and all night long. And he says, oh, don't listen to them. Let me tell you who you are. And he just keeps digging those roots in and firmly planting you in who you are. I don't look to all of that to tell me who I am. I already know who I am. I'm firmly planted because I've been meditating day and night in the law of the Lord. I awaken to that truth every morning, and I go to sleep every night with him singing it over my life and speaking identity into my life, telling me that I am wholly loved, that I am a child of God, that I have a destiny and a purpose in this life. And when we delight in the law of the Lord, our lives become as firmly established as a tree is in the ground. Have you ever tried to move a tree? They don't move. And the longer that tree has been planted and its roots have been going deep, you really can't move that tree. And you think about a tree. That tree does not get up and go anywhere. It stays put because it knows who it is, right? And it's just waiting on the God of heaven to pour out provision on it. And you know what the Bible says? The only, the only direction that a tree reaches or the only movement it really has is a reaching where? Up. Up. And you know what the Bible says about trees? It says the trees of the field clap their hands in praise to the Lord. That tree, that's what God is likening our lives to. You know, I've been in women's ministry now full time for seven years and many years as a volunteer before that. And out of my own personal story and experience and many, many, many conversations with women over the years, I would say that one of the biggest issues that we have is a lack of identity. We don't know who we are. So, so often we run to the seat of the scoffer and sit down in it hoping that we're going to figure it out. <laughs> or our mind gets thrown all around based on what other people are saying in the path of sin and, and we're, we don't know who we are. We, we get shamed into thinking certain things about ourselves when the Word of God has some really beautiful promises to speak on our life. And God just wants to plant us in those things. And we don't know who we are because so often we don't delight in the Word of God. We delight in all of that. And we go, God, why am I not happy? Why am I not happy? He says, I want to plant you. I want to firmly plant you. I want to tell you who you are. Would you delight in my Word? When we don't know who we are, ladies, we are vulnerable. Because here's the thing about that. That always changes. Even if you like what somebody tells you about yourself, so you think, okay, that's who I am. You know what? You could wake up the next morning and it could be over. <laughs> it could be over. Not even in an evil way, necessarily. Maybe if you get your identity from being married to this person, well, that person could not be here tomorrow. And then who are you? Okay? All of that is changing. This is the only solid place to be planted. And God wants that for us because he knows that will give us that deep, abiding happiness. Vulnerability does not equal happiness. Being firmly planted equals happiness. 
And God's word will tell us who we are. And it's not contingent about who we are as far as ourselves and what we've done. It's contingent on who Christ is. It will develop our identity in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. And it's so settling to the soul. And your soul will say, happy. I'm just happy in Jesus to know who I am. Now, what else is the result, though, of making this choice to delight in the word of God? Not only are you firmly planted, but you get this steady stream of provision over your life, the Bible says. It says, firmly planted where? By streams of water. God provides for us all of our provision. Anything you could think of needing comes to you through the hand of the Lord, and it never stops flowing. And here's the thing. God does provide for us, but a lot of times we don't know that he's going to. So we get ourselves in a state of anxiousness all the time, right? And anxiousness is vulnerable, and that doesn't equal happy, okay? So you got to be firmly planted in order for the stream to be flowing over your life, and you get firmly planted by delighting in the Word of God, and then there's not the anxiousness. You don't wake up every morning with this thirst of, oh no, how are we going to take care of this, or how's this going to be taken care of, or is this need going to be met, or just this feeling that's just, ah. Oh. Because you already know you are. Because these streams of living water are flowing over your soul. And you know who the living water is? It's Jesus. <laughs> he calls himself the living water. In the New Testament, when he was here on the earth, he called himself the living water. It's hard to be happy when you don't know that your needs are going to be met. And even if you've got some little whims going on here, like maybe you just got new granite countertops. I'd love to have new granite countertops, okay? I don't know that I ever will. I'd like to have some. They would make me happy for the day. But you know what? There's deeper needs than that. So even if you got a little whim going on here and there that just kind of gives you a little happy every time you walk in the kitchen and look at those new granite countertops <laughs> or that purse that you got to get that you just go, oh, I've wanted that purse so long and now I finally get to carry it. And yeah, it gives you that little, oh, I like that. But you know what? There are deeper needs in life than that, right? <laughs> and only the streams of living water are going to take care of those. So even if you got some little happies going on, you need a bigger happy than that, right? You need the streams of living water flowing over your life. And God provides for all of it as we're firmly planted in him. And here's the thing, as you're firmly planted, you know that you know that you know that that stream isn't going to stop flowing. It's not going to dry up. Because God keeps telling you over and over again in different ways every day, I've got you, honey. I've got you covered. And I'm going to take care of you. This year for me, actually the last two years, but this year especially, has been incredibly difficult. Probably the hardest year of my life. And yet, you know what I can tell you? I am happy in Jesus. I'm happy. Are things perfect? No. This doesn't say your life's going to be perfect. <laughs> It says you're going to be happy, okay? We live in a broken world. One day we're going to have 100% happiness. This says how happy. It doesn't say 100% happy. It says how happy, okay? But you can have junk going on in your life, and you can be happy in Jesus as you're firmly planted in him telling you every day who you are, morning, noon, and night, even through the night when you wake up. And he keeps speaking words of life over your soul because you've just been meditating on his word. And it's this stream of living water that just keeps flowing over you. I can't begin to express to you the ways that God has sent his streams of mercy over my life this year. As hard as it's been, there have been streams of mercy flowing. Some of you probably know the song, 
Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's an old hymn that in many ways has been remade in, in different versions recently, and so it's kind of come to the forefront again. And uh, I heard it about a year ago, and I mean, it has become my anthem, mainly because of one line in that song that says, Streams of mercy never ceasing, based right here in Psalm 1. Because I have experienced the streams of living water flowing across my life again and again. God providing deep emotional things for me. I, I've had such deep emotional things, I didn't even know I went that deep this year, okay? And I'm like, God, that's deep. And he will just come over me, providing financially, providing confidence, providing all kinds of things, just practical day-to-day -day things, and even some little happies here and there that are just those little things that really don't matter to anybody, but they would matter to me. God provides. And it's beautiful because you're like, God, you see me with all that's going on in the world? And it's the stream of living water flowing over your soul. And it just makes you happy. You know his provision. And it's good. If you don't know that your life is going to be provided for in every way, you can't be happy because you're left vulnerable. And even after all of that, God is not done. He says, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. And whatever she does, she prospers. See, the blessing of choosing this reaches beyond just identity and provision it goes into the very purpose for living you know what are the two main questions of life who am i and what am i doing here right okay well god answers who we are as we delight in his word and he tells us what we're doing here he gives us purpose for our lives eternal purpose where our life is constantly bearing fruit god's continually speaking purpose over our days and when our hands start moving into futile things because we're meditating on his word day and night he directs us again and says you know that's really worthless <laughs> that's not worth your time why are you doing that why are you thinking about that let's move over to this direction and god gets you on a purpose again and he works in your life in that way i love that it says right here which yields its fruit in season there's just something good about a life that yields something, that gives out something, that blesses and brings out a produce and a harvest into the environment around it. Don't you want your life to be a life that yields? See, all of that will tell you you need to look out for who? Number one, you need to be concerned about yourself. You need to get yours first. And they need to make sure that your people have what they need. And then maybe, then maybe think about somebody else, but not really. Because even that, you need to twist it into being about you, right? I mean, it's crazy. And you know what? People that live like that with such a self-centered focus are miserable. But people who live a life that's yielding something, and only God can direct you to yield in a pure way, in a whole way, when your life is yielding, it brings so much happiness to be able to yield. And God says, you're going to be happy, and I'm going to be flowing so much over your life that you're going to just have it to pour out. Even when life is hard, you're going to have stuff to yield out and to give out, and it just brings a happiness. And it's not even just stuff that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow, because he says right here, it's not even going to wither. Whatever she does, it's going to prosper. God's going to do that. And so even something that maybe looks like it's not working, you know what? It's prospering because God's working through it. He may not show you how it's prospering, but you believe his promises because God's always working and God always does a good work. And it's so fun to sometimes, every now and then, God will open the window and let you see what he's doing. 
how he's prospering when maybe what you're doing, you think it doesn't have any prosper at all. And God says, oh, let me show you what I'm doing with that thing. Because you're, you're listening to what he's saying. And he gives you different perspective. And you just go, oh, that makes me so happy to know that God's using my life, to know that God's working through me, little old me. He can do that. He can make us happy. God says, delight in this if you want my happiness. Meditate on it day and night. But you know what? We've been talking about how this is such a contrasting passage, and it is. Because not only does he tell us the things that result from choosing this, he tells us the things that result from choosing that. And they're not pretty. In fact, they're very, very vulnerable. He says, the wicked are not so. This is verse 4. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. For the woman who chooses to delight in all of that, she's going to spend her life being vulnerable. Let me tell you why I believe this is saying that. God says she's going to be like chaff. Do you know what chaff is? When, when you take wheat, what they do is they bring it to a threshing floor and they divide it. And the, the part that's good is the wheat. And they, they take that and then they leave the chaff on the threshing floor just to like get scorched by the sun and for it to be blown away. So chaff is really the exact opposite of being firmly planted by streams of living water and, and bearing fruit because it absolutely represents no divine identity at all. It's the exact opposite. It's, it's as nameless as dust, okay? I mean, have you ever named a piece of dust? You can't even tell the difference. There's like a pile of dust. I mean, you just, whatever, it's dust, okay? It's as nameless as dust. So there's no divine identity over it, very vulnerable, no divine provision of living water. It's exactly the opposite. It's left on the ground to be scorched by the sun, to dry out and just kind of float away. It represents no divine eternal purpose, but the exact opposite. Because it's just going to blow away in the wind and it's never even going to be remembered anymore that it was even there in the first place. Vulnerability. Chaff. It doesn't equal happiness. And the woman who does not delight in God's word is not only vulnerable in this life because she's not delighting in this, but she's vulnerable in the life to come. Because listen to what God says. He says, therefore, the wicked is not going to stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I have gone round and round with the Lord about what he would have me to say here. There's about 10 things that I think need to be said here. And we just don't have the time to go into that. And it's actually not even in the sheets for, for the more study that you can download either because I really thought God was going to have me go a certain way. But if we could just say this, God wants us to be able to stand. He wants us to be able to stand in relationship to him. That is his heart. He wants us to be able to hold our head up and go, Father, and to know he takes us in his arms and loves on us and, and lets us climb up on his knee and just pours out his love and his mercy. That's what he wants for us. But he knows the person who chooses all of that is going to get so wrapped up in that and so futile in their thinking and so purposeless in their living and so wicked in their attitude and arrogance toward him that there's no way you're ever going to be able to lift your head in the face of your father. And our God is a judge. Even though we talk a lot in this day and age, when I was growing up, you didn't hear a whole lot about grace. These days, I think we've swung to the total opposite section where we really don't hardly ever talk about God being judged. God is a God of grace, but he is a judge. And there will come a day when judgment day comes, and you will not be able to stand in the day of judgment if you have not delighted in the word even enough to find a faith in Jesus, okay? 
because that's where you're going to get your salvation first is delighting in the word to hear that there's a Savior who loves you and his name is Jesus. The only reason any of us can stand in God's presence is because of Jesus Christ and because we heard the word and believed the word. But don't you think that once we did, that then we will come into the place where we delight in what he says because he's our Savior. God wants us to be able to stand. And I believe that God wants us to be able to stand in relationships with other people. This world is a broken place. And I bet you if I asked, and I'm not, okay, but if I asked and I said, how many people in this room are struggling in a relationship that's broken, even somewhat broken? You have a relationship in your life somewhere that's just not right. Every one of us would raise our hand. Because relationships are really hard, aren't they? They're really hard work. Relationships are hard. Well, you know what? God wants us to be able to stand in relationships with other people, especially with the righteous. He wants us to be able to walk into a community of people who are living for him, their lives are devoted to him, and we can all hold our heads high because we love one another. We can stand together and pour out love on each other. But you know what? When you walk in all of that, you get so caught up in your rights and your anger and your bitterness, and, and it, it, they should have never treated me that way, and I'm not going to speak to them, and don't you do this, and da, da 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 and you get so caught up in all of that thinking that when you come into people's presence, there's this awkwardness. You know, you go in the grocery store, oh, I'm going to go the other way because she's over there, right? Or you get a text from them, oh, what do I do with this? I don't know what to say, you know? I mean, there's an awkwardness. You can't stand in the relationship. And God's word will give us the power and the wisdom to be able to have relationships with people that are right and are whole, where we can hold our head high. And you know, I'll tell you something honestly. This is something I've really learned this year. Relationships are hard, but God will give you the ability. You can't control what other people are going to do. You can't. But God will give you the ability where you can stand, where you can stand where his love can flow through you in a righteous way, where you can hold your head up. No matter what they're doing, he will allow you to, to do that as you're in his word, only as you're in his word. Because if, without it, you're going to think of all your rights and of all your bitternesses and all your unforgiveness and of all your expectations and disappointments and this, that, and the other. But when God's love is flowing through you, you let all that go. And you can just stand and you can just love on people and you can stand in the assembly of the righteous. But even, even beyond that, too, with this, you know, it's, it's for that eternal place as well. Because if we don't delight in the law of the Lord, even on the, the, the starting level that says you need a Savior, his name is Jesus, don't you want to accept him? If you don't delight in the law of the Lord there, you're not going to stand in the assembly of the righteous in heaven. And that is a sad, sad thing. And God says, delight in my law, because I want you to be happy here, as happy as you can be, <laughs> And, and I learned this this year, too, and this is amazing to me. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, this is as bad as it's ever going to get for you. It is. This is as bad as it's ever going to get. If you're not a believer in Jesus, this is as good as it's ever going to get. You know? It's a real perspective on things, right? And God says, even here, I will give you happiness, and you can't even fathom what it's going to be there. Because listen to what it says. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows us. There is nothing better than to be known by the God of heaven. 
And when you have relationship with him through his word and you spend time delighting in this word, it's kind of like learning a language so that you can communicate with him and have relationship with him. You know God and nothing brings more happiness than knowing God and nothing brings more sorrow than not knowing him. And it says, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, we're all called to a choice. This or that. Find our delight in the law of the Lord, this, or in the law of the world. And what we have to realize is that no choice is a choice. It is. No choice is a choice in itself. I will never forget personally when I came face to face with this choice. The choice that I had been making, even though I didn't realize I was making it. I told you I grew up in church. I actually married a preacher. I was in church doing activities all the time. Even read my Bible, and, and, and I prayed sometimes. I mean, it was, it was more duty. I, I delighted in a lot of Christian stuff and activities, but I really did not delight in the law of the Lord or in Him. My real delight was in all of that. And I could list a bunch of stuff for you, okay? I think we all have our list of things that we, that we struggle with. For me, it was materialism, okay, and appearance. And, and over time, I even started flirting with some darker things like sexual immorality. And I started at first just kind of, you know, um, thinking like that. You know, oh, that's all right. Well, God, I know your word says this, but this is what I think. And then before long, you find yourself walking in the pathway of the wicked. And throughout all of that, I, one, one of the things I really struggled with for a really long time, too, was food. See, I was a Christian girl, a good Christian girl, I thought, and so I couldn't have an addiction to alcohol or, or drugs, but I could have an addiction to food. <laughs> that was acceptable. In fact, it was even honored a lot of times. And I thought food was going to make me happy, just like I thought stuff would make me happy or people's opinions would make me happy, and it was all empty. It was all empty. And all throughout all of that time, there was this striving. There was this vulnerability because I had made a choice. I had made a choice. I had chosen to delight in all of that and let that drive the way I thought and lived and acted and everything. And I was miserable, <laughs> miserable. And I was vulnerable. I was not satisfied. And when I did try to seek the Lord most of the time because I had no knowledge of the word that told me who I was in Christ, I was so ashamed in his presence that it didn't feel good. And so I didn't enjoy it at all. I didn't know how to be around God. But he brought me face to face with this choice through Psalm 1. I was constantly looking for happiness. It always eluded me, and then I came to Psalm 1. And I'll tell you, when I first really read it and, and God broke it open and gave me revelation of it, you know what? I said, oh, that's not me. That's all those wicked people, you know? I'm a Christian. And God said, that's you. That's why you're not happy. You've been asking me, why am I so unhappy, God? This is a miserable life. Help me. I'm helping you. I'm telling you, this is the reason you're so unhappy. You delight in all of that. And I'm telling you, you need to delight in this. And I had to come face to face with a choice that I was making. And the reality was, I didn't even know how to delight in the law of the Lord. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know if I'd ever even seen anybody do that. So I did the only thing I knew to do, and that was to pray. In fact, I now know it wasn't even me that led myself to pray. The Holy Spirit, in his grace, led me to pray and say, God, help me make a good choice. Because left to myself, I make the wrong one. And I've been making the wrong one for years and years. 
And there were no lightning bolts. There were no immediate changes for me. In fact, I prayed the prayer for quite a while as I started making changes in how I lived. Little by little, I started choosing this. I started making some changes in my choices of how I spent my time and what I thought about. And God, in his mercy, put some women in my life who really did delight in that. And they showed me what it looked like. And God, in his faithfulness, answered. He brought a love for the word into my life. Last night, I was talking to one of the girls who's been praying over this Bible study, this specific night of Bible study. And uh, she shared with me that um, she did the exact same thing. And, and, and what the difference has been in her life over the last few years when she just reached out to the Lord and she said, God, I don't love your word. And I confess that I don't. And I need you to help me love your word. Now, I know there's probably a few, just a few, super Christian heroes in this room and you would make the right choice. You would. You would just do it on your own. But most of us are not like you. And most of us need a lot of help from God <laughs> to do that. But I want to tell you something. You know, we've been talking about what we delight in. If you think about what God delights in, in Jeremiah 9.24, it says that God delights when people know him and understand him. That's God's delight, when we know him and when we understand him. Well, how do you know God and how do you understand him? By being in the word. So don't you think if that's his delight and you say, God, help me love your word, what is he going to answer? He's going to answer Yes. Now, he might take you down a pathway that's different than what you thought to get you to that, to that answer and to discover that answer. He did me and took a lot longer than, than what I wanted it to take, but God did a deep work and a good work, a work that he's still doing today because if I'm totally honest and I want to be, there is some time still that I will choose that if given the opportunity. But before we will even ask God to help us, we have to get to the point where we're honest with ourselves and we say, God, I've made the wrong choice. And I know that there are some people in this room, probably a lot of us, who've made the wrong choice. We keep choosing that over this. Psalm 1 is one of my faves because it helped me see how silly and stupid my choice was and how much better it would be if I would make the right choice. And some of us tonight, I think you're already doing it. You're, you're already in your heart going, God, oh my goodness, God, I want to love your word. But some of us are probably already having a lot of questions. And I get these questions because I had these same ones. Because you're probably thinking in your mind, okay, well, I know this person and like they are really delighting in a lot of that, but they're really happy. <laughs> so that doesn't line up for me. And, and I understand that question. And I bet you a lot of you are thinking about somebody like that. <laughs> Or some of you probably know some people that really appear to be delighting in the law of the Lord, and they are miserable. And you're going, I don't think that's true. And then probably some of you in here are going, day and night? Do you know what's on my to-do list? There is no way, no way I can do that day and night. I, that might work for other people, but that will not work for me. And those are real questions, and guess what? God has real answers. He does. And you know where they're at? In his word. <laughs> he answers, and he begins to shift our thinking. And it's not always the way we think it is. And he begins to peel back the layers. And he begins to line our thinking up with his over time as we get in his word. And we show him, hey, God, I really want to know 
what you think because I care about it. And then he begins developing this heart in us. And before long, we have this delight because we're like, I have to know what God thinks about this because his opinion matters to me more than anyone else. We start choosing this over that. And God starts building a happiness in our souls that rises up within us. Now, what does it look like, though, to do that? I want to talk for just a minute before we close about what it looks like to meditate day and night. I told you the story about my son Sam, but, you know, that's sports. We want to talk about what does it really look like with the Word of God. Well, you know, for me, when I started, there was no desire, none. I told you, it bored me. I'm still learning, haven't arrived, God's brought me a long way. But, but, you know, delighting in the Word of God is expressed in so many ways. The other day, I asked a bunch of people, and I also threw it out there on Facebook, probably some of you even answered. I asked this question. I said, um, you know, beyond reading God's word, how do you delight in his word? I got all kinds of different answers. One girl told me, she said, you know those shoes, Tom's shoes? She said, I painted scripture all over mine. <laughs> she said, that's how I delight in God's word. And, and see, it would, because you wouldn't paint that on your shoes if you didn't love the Word of God, right? She picked her faves, and she painted them on her toms, okay? I thought that was so, so cool. A lot of people said music. They like to sing the Word of God. They like to listen to the Word of God. They like to play on their instrument the Word of God. A lot of people said speaking it. Some people said expressing it through art, painting it, photography, all kinds of arts. One girl said, I don't make a decision without going to the Word of God. I've learned I have to go to Him first. Somebody else said, I always put it in the letters that I write to people. I love just being able to share God's Word that way. Another girl said, I put it in post-it notes all over my house. A couple people talked about when children or teens speak it. You know how if you walk into a store and you see something you really like and you're with your girlfriend, you're like, oh, I just love this. Well, that woman, what she was saying was, you know, when I hear a child speak the Word of God, it's like my heart just jumps. And I'm like, oh, I love that. It's because she delights in God's truth. And so she delights when she hears a child expressing it as well. A lot of people talked about memorizing God's word, hiding it in in their hearts. And boy, that resonated with me because I believe so strongly in memorizing the word of God. That's one of the reasons in our ministry, from the very beginning, we have had what we call memorization projects. If you go on our website, I think there's like eight of them there now. And we're in the middle of one right now called the M Project that some of you are probably already a part of, but some of you aren't. And we'd love for you to join in. That's a way that you can engage God's word. It's very simple. We're going to hand you a card about it when you walk out the door tonight. So maybe that would be a way that you can start to delight in God's word. One girl even said, I love to memorize the word of God in other languages. And I thought, oh my goodness. I have a hard time going from one version to the next. But I thought, how cool is that? And who knows how God will use that one day. People talked about listening to it while they walk on the Nolan Trail or it sings them to sleep at night. They, they put it on or they love it when they hear the Holy Spirit speak it into their day and they see right away why he's speaking it because it's living and active and it tells them what to do or where to walk. And, and one girl, she's actually a missionary over in, in an Asian country and she works in the red light district rescuing girls out of human trafficking and she said, I've had to learn how to trust in the word of God because I can't trust in anything else. And boy, she means that. And she delights in the Word of God. It's her go-to. You study the Word of God when you delight in it. You put your mind into it, just like you would study anything else that mattered to you. 
That's why you'll do things like go to a Bible study or, or join in on things like doing these materials that we're going to provide for you online this month. I mean, I have my own ways, too, that I delight, you know, beyond some of those things. But at first, for me, there was no desire. And I had an attitude like God, I was doing God a favor if I read his word. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, God, you should be very pleased with me because I read your Bible today. <laughs> He's doing me a favor by giving me his word and letting me read it. He has to shift our attitude because we can be so arrogant. We can sit in that seat of a scoffer. But years of God molding his word in my life, I can tell you, even amidst a very hard year, I am happy in Jesus. I am happy in Jesus. I delight in the word of God. I want the word of God in my life. I crave the word of God. And that is none other than the grace of God and the greatness of God over me because I know who I was. It started with a prayer and a choice. You know, somewhere along the line, most of us have believed at some point that God's word is a burden, that it's irrelevant, that it's old school, that it's going to keep me from being happy. And I just need to be loosed from all of that. But over the years, God has revealed to a lot of us in this room, I think, the truths of Psalm 1. And for many of us, he's corrected our thinking. And there are many in this room, I know many of you, who delight in the law of the Lord. And you're happy. And I enjoy being around you. Don't you like to be around happy people? I mean, I do. I do. For some of us, though, tonight is the night where God is just like broken this open and, go, and you're like, oh, he's answering my question. When I'm in front of the bathroom mirror going, God, why am I so unhappy? Well, he answered me tonight. <laughs> he told me. And now I want to love his word, but I don't even know how. And I understand. And you're, and you're afraid of yourself because you know you've tried before and you think I'm going to blow it again. <laughs> Well, God's great enough to help you through whatever the struggle is. Because it seems so crazy when you look at all of that out there, whatever that is, and we all have different things that are attractive to us in that, that this over that could make me happy. But it's true. And what God is saying is, do you believe me? Do you believe what I said here? Do you believe that I'm great enough to help you to get over anything in yourself that keeps causing you to choose that? Do you believe I'm great enough for that? He is. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to ask him to help us. Around the room, you're going to see some different women who are holding up some signs. And these signs represent places or things in our lives that keep us from being in the word of God like we need to be from delighting in the Word of God. We find ourselves in that when we should be in this because of some of these things. For instance, over here, you see the sign, and it says, time. Many of us have a hard time delighting in the Word of God because we're so busy with all of that. We don't even know what to start taking out of the schedule. And we need God to reveal to us. We need a Holy Spirit intervention in our time and our schedule to make the Word of God a priority. So this is what I want to do, and you don't need to be embarrassed because every one of us makes the wrong choice. Every one of us has chosen that many times, okay? So if you need prayer,
because you always are having a hard time with your time, making time for God's word, I want to encourage you to very quietly right now get up and go over that direction. And she's going to pray for you in just a few minutes about that very thing. Now, we need the first person to get up and walk because I know what women do. They're like, you do that because you don't want anybody to see you. Somebody be brave. Thank you. Thank you. Because I know I talk to people all the time, and this is the biggest issue. It's time. So just quiet. You're going to come back to your seat so you can leave your stuff. Nobody will take it. But just go over that way. And let me tell you, the women that are standing around this room have been praying over this night. They have been praying through Psalm 1 for months. So they've been praying for you long before they ever saw you tonight. There's a sign over here. It says desire. Some of us just don't have a desire for God's word. 18 years ago, that's exactly where I would have walked. And some days still, I have to cry out to the Lord, Lord, give me a desire, because left to myself, I get so caught up in all of that. But your word says this, and I want to make the right choice. So if you struggle with having a desire for the word of God, go there. Let her pray for you. Back here in the back corner, it says understanding. Some of us don't have an understanding, a basic understanding of the Word of God. And a lot of us, maybe it's just because we didn't grow up in church. We don't know the Bible stories that everybody else knows, and we just feel dumb. And so we try to read our Bible. We don't know what it's about. We're confused. You know what? God's a really good teacher, and he can put some people in your life that will help you to learn some basic understanding of the Word of God. I love to help people get over those first humps. If you need some help with that, if you need God to place you in some places, go back there and allow her to pray for you to have understanding. Back here in this corner, it says more, more. There's a lot of us in this room who are already in the Word of God. You go to Bible study. You might even lead a Bible study. But deep in your heart, you're crying out for more. God's wanting your roots to go deeper. And you know you need even more of a desire. If I could go right this minute, that's where I would go. In fact, that's what I've been asking the Lord for as I've studied Psalm 1 again. God, I do delight in your word, but I know there's more. And so that's where I would head if I could right now. Get up and go there. There's one right here that says in the middle, that says duty and delight. And I'm going to ask you guys, if you'll kind of come this way and get up in this corner, because we're going to have a group here in the middle that says duty or delight. Many of us read our Bibles, but it is a checklist for us. We have a devotional book. I don't like those things that are called three-minute devotionals. Like, you can get enough of God in three minutes. No, no. You need to have a three-minute me and then have whatever the other one would it be, 23 hours and 57 seconds of God, okay? I mean, it needs to be switched, all right? Duty or delight? And if you have one of those three-minute devotionals, I'm sorry, okay? I mean, they're probably really helpful, but you need more. You need morning and night, okay? So if you struggle with duty, it's a duty to you. You want it to be a delight. Go there. And the, in right here in the center, right here, it says believe. Maybe you're struggling to believe this is true because you do know people like I talked about a few minutes ago in those situations, and it just doesn't seem to line up. Go there and be prayed for. And there's one more in the very back that says gap. You might think, gap? You know what? Some of us need to stand in the gap for somebody else. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a friend or a neighbor, a mother, a daughter, somebody that you know that's choosing that. And it breaks your heart. 
heart because you want them to choose this and you see how miserable they are and you need to stand in the gap for that person and you need somebody to agree with you in prayer over that person that they would learn how to choose this because they're miserable and they don't even see it. They've become so futile in their understanding. Ladies, you know what? This is a beautiful sight to the Holy Spirit because just think about this. What if every woman who called herself a believer in this city delighted in the word of God? We would be some happy women. We would be happy. We would be a joy to be around. Amazing things could take place for the glory of God. If you're still in your seat, it's fine. You know what? Maybe God has you sitting there to pray for all these people, your friends who have gotten up and are moving, okay? If you're still in your seat, get Psalm 1 out and start seeking the Lord about what he would say to you even more than that. But we're going to take about five to seven minutes, and hopefully God's going to give all of these prayer warriors some, like, super microphones in their voices. Close in, like get together so you can hear. And we're going to have some prayer. We're going to seek the Lord. This Bible study is about worship, the word, and prayer. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. This is the most important time right now. So let's enter into that spirit of prayer and seek the Lord.